Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hello, everybody. Just gone for Max Rushton and Terry Alderton with me today. Terry. Yes. Do you have a nice time? I had a wonderful time today. What was it? I mean, and the greatest three hours of your life? It was the greatest thrill to be with you on the radio. Oh, yeah. Stop it. It's amazing. It. I can't tell you. Uh, so, uh, on the podcast today, um, we had Kevin Eason, who's a Formula One journalist, uh, written uh, the introduction of Postscript to Nicky Lauder's autobiography. And he was very interesting, he wasn't was he? very, very interesting. Nice man. Yeah. Ivo yeah. Graham, who you hugged. Yes. Yeah. Lovely, lovely comedian. Mm. Brilliant comedian. Jealous of him, young, yeah. brilliant, and young, talented. Got hair, successful, got hair, all those things. Oh, yeah, lovely. and um, uh, yeah, and we'll put them in. We had a bit of a chat as well, and that'll be the part. I also saw you hug Adrian Durham. I've never seen anyone hug Adrian Durham yeah, before. Durham. My favourite presenter on the radio, isn't he? Right. <laughs> you started. I say you need to listen to more. Anyway, uh, here is the H and J Daily. Enjoy it. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Terry Alderton. Good afternoon, Matt. Huge pressure on Alderton No today. pressure, no pressure. I, I spend my life with me. That's enough pressure mm. uh, for this, anybody. So this is, is this your, you've been on Glory Hunters a few times recently. Yes. You have, have you hosted a TalkSport show I, I, before? I got a feeling I did do this, mm. uh, co-hosted with Paul a long time ago okay. in the old studios. As in you, can you definitely remember it? Or no, you I can't. can't I can't remember, remember what I had for breakfast. But okay. yes, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I didn't. I still didn't have hair. Yeah. But you know, do you know? The, do you know the show? Do you know the show? I know well? the show. I've been yeah, on this okay. show many times. In fact, Excellent. I am a friend of this show. Okay. I so much you, so that I'm on it now. Have you officially been? What yeah. happens is that? Because I don't think I've ever been called. Well, as a friend, a friend of the show. What benefits do you get? Well, you, you can plug things. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> do you have anything no. you want to plug? No, I've got nothing to plug, mate. I don't do okay. anything. That's the whole funny thing. I come on to plug things and I've never got anything to plug. All right, okay. So, you just come and talk about my terrible football team. So, so I've got some questions, yes. just for those who don't know. Okay. Yeah, you, Terry. I'm mean, sure, like there sure there's uh, quite a few of those yeah. people. Do you know Terry Alden? Do 18, you know? Or not personally? You know, either way. Personally, do you know him? And have you ever heard of him? Uh, 1889. Uh, full name. Your full uh, name, please. Full name, Terry John Alderton. Right. Age? Uh, 59 49 no 49 49 49 yeah I can't believe I'm saying I'm 50 this year I can't believe I'm saying that how do you feel about how it's been because I turned 40 this year and I found now that I I'm now quite envious of sort of young men who've got all their hair and it's all dark and there's no grey and and they've got all their life ahead of them well Turning I, I, fifty is that a different? I think forty was uh, was was. I quite liked. I didn't mind turning forty. I was a bit panicked about it. And I said to my mum, 
I said, I can't believe I'm going to be 40. And she went, you can't believe you're going to be 40. I can't believe I've got a son that's 40. Yeah. So um, thank you very much. Just been delivered a lovely coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 40 was a funny one. I think 50, anyone who's got to 50, it's always that old cliche, well, at least I got there. Right. Um, and it'd be a really rubbish darts. If you're playing darts, it'd be a terrible score, wouldn't it? So yeah. it's not that old. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy, but I'm bald, aren't I? So I've never had the problem with the grey and the receding. No, that's and fine. Uh, your football you team, know. well known, is Southend United. Southend United. We'll get into that in a bit. Oh, uh, let's not. Best moment of your personal sporting career? You were quite a good footballer. I, play, I played. I played a bit. Played a bit. I think the best part was probably playing in the the match in 2004, which was guy did that match thing. Do you remember that started yeah. all that yeah. celebrity versus legends kind of games? And I played in that at Newcastle. That was that was pretty cool. Fifty thousand. Wow. Uh, yeah. Who do you prefer, Adrian uh, Adrian Durham or Alan Brazil? Uh, I know, I'd probably go Adrian because I don't listen to uh, Alan. Okay. Uh, if I listen to anything, <laughs> that's too early for me. I'm a comedian, for goodness sake. All right, it's not you. you so, have yeah, a... I know, you know, and I know Alan. Uh, sorry, I know, I know Adrian. Okay. Right. So what I have to it, go What Adrian. is it about Alan Brazil that you hate? I don't hate him. You're putting words <laughs> in my mouth now. Uh, be honest, please, your least favourite sport? Mm. Something that does nothing for you. Cricket, I've got to be honest. Okay, no, that's totally Sorry, fine. people. No, 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 that's okay. And uh, finally, how many toilets do you have? Uh, three. Okay. Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You're doing okay. Three. Yeah, so, clean hands at the end of the day as so well. So when they announced uh, that you were... Uh, yeah. Colin the Painter says, I know Terry personally. That's nice. Hello, Colin the Painter. I know Colin. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> That's excellent. So what a friendly show yes, we could do. See, look at that. Just friends of Terry Alderson, please, 1889. Oh, <laughs> um, when they told me that I was doing the show with you, yeah. I said, That's absolutely fine. But you do realise yes. that oh, Terry Alderton shattered my dreams. Uh, during yeah. what is commonly known as the glory years of Soccer AM, 2008 to 2015, <clears throat> which coincidentally is when I hosted it, mm -hmm. um, uh, Helen Chamberlain and I were due to sing the national anthem Correct. at the JPT final at Wembley, yes. which was between Southend and Crew Alexander. And uh, the Crew fans seemed completely indifferent to who was singing the national anthem, which is how normal football fans feel about who's singing the national anthem. Nobody yes. cares yes, who's yes. singing the national anthem. The South End fans got irate. Yeah, they, they weren't I mean, happy. Up in arms, and I came on this and very you show. Fronted the campaign. You came on this I did show not front. to end the career. My dream of singing the national anthem at Wembley. It's all I've wanted since I was a small boy. Yep. My granddad's last words yep. were: "Make sure on his death, deathbed, he said, make sure, grandson, you sing the national anthem <laughs> at Wembley.' Because he has so many grandchildren." <laughs> <laughs> he did. He just went for grandson. <laughs> he did. Look, it's Maximilian. <laughs> uh, yeah, he wasn't all there at the end, but he said, no. make sure you sing. you sing the national anthem. And he said specifically at the Johnson's Paint Trophy final yep. between Southend and Crew. And guess what happened? And I was teed up to do it. And then you started a campaign to stop me doing it. On this it. very, very radio show, on yeah. this Hawksby and Jacobs as mm. well. But it was only protecting you because I knew they were going to boo you. So... You know, it'll come through me as as chief South End fan. Mm. They came, but in all honesty, I'm sorry that ever happened. And this is this is the second time this has happened to me. When I uh, I did, uh, I had a bit of a falling out with Danny Dyer many years ago, yes. and I did all these spoofs. You might have seen him, the the Will Football Factory is proper naughty geezer, yeah, going down with cockles, coming up for eggs, and we did them, and they did very well. And uh, course I went into EastEnders and he's there Danny came into EastEnders mm. and I had to go through that whole same thing with him 
Were you more nervous about approaching Danny Dyer no, or no, me? No, because I was more more you, Max. Yeah. Because I've heard about your reputation. See, quiet, <laughs> quiet ones. Go watch the quiet ones. And of course, Chamberlain. Don't want to mess with Chamberlain. No, no, not at all. Uh, no. Now, on the text today, um, we'd like to do uh, footballers you have met in supermarkets or discount stores, and what were they buying specifically? Why are we Why are we doing this, Terry? Uh, well, story from actually, the papers today. There's a couple. It's two. Two in in the in the sun actually, and one's about uh, obviously the great Tyson Fury. I just let, I like to thank firstly I like to, <laughs> he went to Home Bargains. He, he went to in- Home Bargains, and it's a big story now because the thirty million pound boxer went to Home Bargains to buy his daughter a toy. So they're like they've they've made a story out of that 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 should be a problem. I love Home Bargain. I, can we say Home Bargains? Is that like we're yeah, we're not we're not no, are we, we, we're sponsored, by, we're sponsored lo- by Green King. So as long as you go to okay, a Green King, I go via Green King. After um, you go to Home Bargains. Yeah, well, I go and get Mary in the Green King and then I go down to Home Bargains. <laughs> right, okay. But my wife, she loves a Home bargain. She loves it. She loves going in there. We have to get all the uh, all the bits for the house in there because it's, you know, it's good. But he went in there and apparently now that's a problem. But we also saw in the same paper, yeah, of course, Man United's new big signing, Bruno. Bruno Fernandes. He's, yes. in, uh, he's in Tesco. Is old Fernandez? What's he? What's in? And his in his thing? trolley, we've got his trolley. He's got he's got uh, he's got gentle clean Andrex. Yeah, he's got some play doh. Okay, he, and he's got. I presume he has children. Well, if not, I, I, has I don't know, but hobbies. I'll tell you something. He's got a fast. He's got a. He's got a. Uh, like him for sweet things and fizzy things because really? he's got probably I don't know one two three four five by three fifteen bottles of two litre Coca Cola and a huge box of Red Bull. That is quite yeah, the sugar yeah. Rush, so he's right on it. it. Yeah, he's um, proper on it. So yeah, so oh, on and the, a mop. On the, <laughs> and a mop. What's he mopping up? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Andrex and a mop and lots of Coca Cola. Yeah, what yeah. is Bruno Fernandez up to? And a mopping bucket. He's got a bucket as well. Oh, I can yeah. just see it just under the word big. Oh, excellent. So there, there we go. are. Um, uh, so uh, footballers, you've. Met in supermarkets. What was in the trolley, please? Any sports star, sports star of any kind. Um, uh, uh, Jesus, I saw Esteban Cambiasso and Leonardo Ajoa in Great Portland Street Tesco's. Uh, no one else recognised who they were. Uh, S. Ford says, I saw Ian Holloway in Morrison's in Bath buying loads of almond milk. These are perfect, please. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. <laughs> Uh, good afternoon. You are listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on Talksport. Max Rush and Terry Alderton with you until four today. Uh, joining us in the studio now, uh, comedian Ivo Graham. Perfect timing, Ivo, because your manager. You're a big Swindon fan. Yes. Um, are you the only? Are you the most famous Swindon fan? What's the list? I don't, I don't like to use the word uh, famous. No. Okay. To, but you know, to, what's your about myself? Who but, are you um, comparing? Uh, well, I'll tell you who um, I have lovely um, DM sliding about Swindon with is uh, David Squires, the Guardian. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, he's who great, Who is, I think, obviously plays a far more important role in the wider football community, uh, but doesn't actually get to plug himself into the Swindon machine that often because he lives in Australia. Yeah, no, but he's a, he's a great guy. So, Richie Wellens, your manager, signed a new three and a half year. It's literally just gone on the yellow ticker. Jim White will be exploding into action at five with that. In my my veins, yeah. How do you say. how do you feel about that? I think it's really, really great. I don't. I mean, you know, who knows how long these things are ever going to last? If things continue at this rate, um, heads will be turned. He's such an exciting, dynamic, passionate, <laughs> but quietly dignified manager. He's made no secret of his ambition to manage Manchester United. Right. I'm certain that's where he'll end up, but he doesn't want to rush it, and he knows that. Um, the fear is that he would be poached by, you know, like a League One club. 
but the hope is that next season will be a League One club and he will want to continue what we're already starting to refer and to as the project. Oh, right, so you've got a project. Is it a project you're expecting to happen? I, I'm a Cambridge fan. We're 11th. I'm very happy we're 11th. Given You'd how love a project. We I'd yeah. l- I dream of a project. We haven't had one since the early 90s. But, <laughs> but did you expect, you know, was Swindon meant to be where they are at the start of this season? Um, I don't think we were meant to be top and we've been top since November. Um, and apart from for 10 minutes uh, a couple of Tuesdays ago, um, we, we, I think there was a lot of hope because he's exciting and the second half of last season after he came in replacing Phil Brown yesterday's <laughs> time um, was... We uh, share something there. We do, Terry. We've talked about our, our, yes. our slight frustration with Captain Brown. Um, <laughs> Captain Brown. Who oh, was... I saved once. I saved him. Just to interject there, I saved him. We were playing away at Oxford and I was in a box with the Oxford fans, don't ask why, Yes. right where the dugout is, and he got sent off and was made to sit with the Oxford fans, and I went, Phil, quick, come up here, it's Terry, and I pulled him over the wall. It's like two boys scrumping. That's very good yeah. of you. So I saved him. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, only, sorry to interject. If but. only he cared for the teams he managed as much as you cared for his personal <laughs> safety. <on laughs> I know that. I cared for him. No, I mean, I think <laughs> Phil Brown was a, was a good guy, but he was just a, a classic example of what Richard E. Wellens is slightly the opposite of, which is... Not anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about Phil Brown. The point is, Richie Wellens is great. We're playing great. The second half of last season was promising but inconsistent. He brought in a load of players over the summer. We've had this lovely saga with these sexy loanies yeah. who walked away and then walked straight back in January. Owen Doyle and Jerry Yates. Uh, we've got a couple of midfield enforcers. We've got a big effing German in goal. Um, <laughs> the away fans have started taking German flags to games. Everyone's bouncing. Um, there's a guy called Marley on Twitter who does match reports with an automated computer voice, which are obscene, uh, and it's a really great time around the club. And, and I share a, a sort of obsession with the sponsorship page in yes. in, in, in football programs, and and I always I'm such a huge fan of a player because they're always sponsored by you know I remember John Filan who turned out to be quite a good goalkeeper. It's a Blackburn was sponsored by Annabelle's Sandwich Bar. The, the, exactly. Like, this is, this is, is that is that what you really want? And then there's always spon- someone sponsored by you know. Jim and Margaret Smith of Gosport. Yes, exactly. You, you have taken this to the next Well, I, I've taken it uh, to my own uh, doorstep, certainly, because um, I made an inquiry as to how much it would cost to sponsor a Swin and Claire. When I went to watch him against Bradford in January, I noticed there were a couple of uh, reservers yet to be sponsored. <laughs> And um, not to be too vulgar about it, it wasn't as much money as I thought it would be, and I figured that it would be an experiment definitely worth taking. And now there's a photo of me in every Swindon Home programme pointing at the player that I'm sponsoring, reserve keeper Archie Matthews, who I worried was going to be sent out on loan. Not that I would have withdrawn my funding, no. obviously. Would you follow him to whichever club he went to? Well, or? ideally, he'd move to a local team like Hungerford Town or something, which is actually <laughs> even closer to, to, my, to my, parent, from my parents' country pile. So, uh, so we just, just pop along there. But I'm sponsoring him. I can't make it to the sponsor's dinner this year because I'm in Australia. Guttingly, I've got to decide about whether to renew for next year. Um, I mean, with the buzz around the club at the moment, I'd be mad not to. <laughs> um, presumably you're going to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, are you? I'm Australia? going to the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I'm very excited about that, but it's a bit of a shame that there's going to be, hopefully, a lot of celebration around the club. Yeah. I'm and, miss it. And you're doing your 
tour there, the Game Alive, which is the thing you're touring here. Is that correct? Max, you're such a smooth operator. I'm trying my best. I don't even want to promote my tour. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about all the Swindon games I'm going to miss enough, in April. Are you old enough to remember Swindon in the Premier League? Not really. Oh. No. Well, no, not, not really, no. I mean, no. I was alive, but I, I have no memories of it. I clock in in the sort of late 90s when we were about to slide from tier two to tier three. Oh, right. So is this the greatest moment in... Uh, I think it's the most excited I've been about the club. I think uh, De Canio about um, eight years ago was amazing Mm. and box office in a way that Richie Wellens very much tries not to be. But you had the sense with De Canio that it could explode at any minute. And in February 2013, it did. And actually, probably the fallout from that and the financial mismanagement meant that we then had some pretty tricky times. Whereas now things are being well run and... um, the players are doing the talking on the pitch. And Paolo, I'm sure, is having a lovely mad life somewhere. I think, for me, the Swindon downfall was the 5-all Sheffield <clears throat> Amazing. Sheffield United game. That I remember watching that on telly thinking, this can't be happening. I was there, Terry. It was brilliant. I mean, it's, I don't think I'll ever go to a game like it. And obviously, we won the first leg, so 5-all got us over the line. But Just remind people when, that there will be a few people who <laughs> yes, aren't. Of course, this, this game is <laughs> totally is, etched in their memory. Yes, go on, sorry. Put a date on it, Terry, please, if you would. It was the 11th of May, 2015. It, mm-hmm. Wow. What? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's 11th of May, but you, you're pretty much bang on. It was the 11th of May because I got it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> so was this the playoff semi-final? It was the playoff semi-final, and we were, um, and this was a good team actually under Mark Cooper, and we we had some good attacking players like Massimo Luongo, but we were quite weak at the back, and that's what that's what you get for a five-all, and so there was a sense that we are probably going to get tonked in the final against Preston North it End. It was incredible. And we were tonked in the final against Preston North End. <sighs> Whatever happened to Sheffield United? Who was, can tell? Uh, <laughs> um, manager of uh, Sheffield United was. Um, it wasn't Wilder. It was no, it was uh, Cluffy, wasn't it? It was Nigel, Nigel Clough. Yeah, Clough. That's yeah, who it yeah. was. Um, do you, when you look at, I mean, obviously most of TalkSport is a lot of angry football fans from the top four ringing about the crises that they are in. Yes. And do you look at them and think, you're being ridiculous, you know, try supporting, try loving real football. Or yeah. do you, because no. as, as a Cambridge fan, I, I obviously I, I have a soft spot for Tottenham and I get told off about that. But as a Cambridge fan, I, I'm not envious of supporters of big clubs because then you have expectations and when you don't have any expectations you only have joy and when it is bad that's kind of what you expect yeah i think so um i i, I completely could have, could have ended up supporting a you know a top team if that's where i'd grown up or you know that's who my dad had supported and i wouldn't feel that i wasn't able to complain because just all the problems are proportional and you still have you know if you feel your club is being run in a very irresponsible or immoral way whether that's you know lake norian or the glazers that's you know of equal or south end united or yeah. south end united i don't know i don't know why i picked lake norian here don't know um, you were right a couple of seasons maybe, back, Char- yeah. maybe charles they've had their they're, yeah, they're, they're a crazy italian chap didn't they yeah. yeah um but uh but no i mean you know i'm glad i support swindon particularly at the moment i still you know the premier league is a very exciting thing to tap into but there are a lot of underperforming big teams and when you don't care about them it's quite fun to enjoy that but of course it'd be frustrated to be a man you've and let's not forget fan. built right next to the greatest roundabout in the country of course the um, greatest the greatest series roundabout. people of know this roundabout you've been around the magic roundabout Yes, because I almost got the mid-morning show at BBC Radio Swindon about no, 10 years ago. Man. Yeah, I know, imagine. It's never too late to take it. Uh, sure. Kia says, uh, a lot of listeners would, would, wish, would send me there, I'm sure. Max, please ask the posh bloke, not Terry, if Yanaga Fjortoft is considered the best ever Swindon player. I recall his aeroplane goal celebration. Obviously a very famous celebration. Where is, where is Fjortoft? People, Do you want to plug the tour, by the way? Because we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you probably have to. Someone will tell you 
of have you done? I'll say very quickly before I get back to Yanaga um, that I'm doing my uh, stand-up comedy show uh, at The Game of Life, it's called. I'm doing it for the next two weeks at the Soho Theatre um, in London, which people will be very welcome at uh, because we sold out a week and then added in another week due to hubris. And then I'm doing uh, it around the country and then I'm doing uh, going to Australia with it um, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, missing the key uh, run-in of the League Two season. I'll be back in time for the playoffs, but my God, I hope we're not in the playoffs. Uh, then I'll finish the tour, and then I'm going to do a new show at the Edinburgh Festival. And if people wanted to come to any of them, that would be grand. So Janaga Fjortoft um, <laughs> was against, you know, I never saw him play um, in the flesh, but he was one of the sort of mid-90s uh, greats. I think the greatest is generally agreed to be Don Rogers, who won us the 1969 League Cup final. I think that's the that's the definitive answer. Right, but Jan Aga would be and top, where's, top five. Where's Hoddle on that? Because because when I was growing up, you know, Cambridge played this horrible football, and Hoddle hated us, and we had a quite a weird rivalry for about a year with Swindon, mm. and he just couldn't bear the four four two knock it long, which is to me is the pure form. That of, is the, of the pure game. form. It's Sunday League. It's a couple of people who've, who've you know played Sunday League and then done quite well and managed to take that professional. Yeah. You have this a lot in League 2. You have some teams, and Swindon at the moment are one of those teams, who flatter themselves that, that we play sexy football, that we're, that we're doing sort of Wiltshire tiki-taka, Wellens ball uh, in action. And so whenever you come across a load of cloggers like Newport County, um, there's this whole like, can't wait to get out of this league snobbery. But of course it gets the job done. And Swindon, yeah. we're, we've had periods where we've done that. But it is exciting when it's on the deck. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, Ivor, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah. Um, I hope we talked about your tour enough. I rushed uh, through it pretty what, quickly. What uh, percentage of the live show is Swindon Town There's based? There's almost none of it. Almost I, and none. Um, uh, I mean, I think that's probably for the best <laughs> uh, because I absolutely love talking about it here. But it's of limited interest in the inverted commas real world. Um, but if I continue sponsoring a player, then I imagine that will probably seep its way into more of my life and my um, art. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. 
the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Good afternoon. You are listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rushton and Terry Alderton are with you until four this afternoon. I'm very pleased to say joining us in the studio now, uh, motor racing journalist and author Kevin Eason uh, joins us. Kevin, how are you doing? Good afternoon. Um, I'm thanks, warm Kevin. now. I was very cold earlier. Uh, well, it is, it's quite chilly out, isn't it? It was under four inches of snow when I left home this morning. Wow, really? Yeah, when did you, oh, in Harvardshire? Yeah, it's horrible. Ah, but it is... Uh, settling snow is pleasant, though. It's gone. It? It's gone. It's the dog pretty. Loved, the dog it's pretty, it, but annoying. But it's gone now. And uh, now you're here to talk about the, the re-release of Nicky Lauda's autobiography. Um, you've written the postscript to this uh, as well, haven't you? Um, yeah, the, um, the publishers, Ebury, had the rights to the original book which was came out in 1986 but Nicky only really covered his life story up till then which you know obviously took in the the crash with James Hunt in 1976 for which he is very famous so Ebrey asked me if I would put an introduction on it because you know for new readers people who don't really know the story of Nicky um, you know try to introduce him and then cover his life post 86 mm. so it's a kind of half and half book as it were um, and an interesting one for, for me to do because I knew Nicky uh, from being out on the circuit, you know, when I was a motor racing correspondent at the Times. You know, he and I were at every race together. Uh, so we go back about 20 odd years or so. So it was, a, it was a, a very interesting little project for me. Yeah. And, and tell us about him because, as you say, there will be younger listeners now or people who aren't, you know, um, huge F1 fans who probably don't know quite how important he was especially with that rivalry. Yeah, I think you've got to put Nicky in a, in a in a context which is, you know, when he came into the sport in the in the very early 70s, it was like the killing fields. I mean, people probably just do not appreciate what it was like, but you could almost guarantee every race there would be a death. Um, you know, we're talking about 12, 15 uh, drivers in a season would be killed. Um and he established himself very, very quickly as this maverick character. He came from a very wealthy uh, Viennese family who wanted him to be a banker or a doctor or something, and he went completely against them. Bought himself a series of clapped-out cars, became a, a racer, borrowed furious amounts of money. I mm. mean, he was about £160,000 in debt, which in 1973-ish Ooh, yeah. was a serious amount of, of cash. Um, to get himself into the sport. He got his chance um, with Ferrari in, in uh, 1974 and he created uh, a template for the modern Formula One driver because instead of just being a driver, he actually moulded the team. He, he did the testing. He talked to the engineers all the time. He, he created a team around him. And with a couple of years of being in Formula One, he was the world champion. And then, of course, came the 1976 season when he was running away with the championship and people may have seen the movie, the Ron Howard movie, Rush, which is the story of that season, uh, when he had the, a big crash at the Nürburgring, was so badly burned, seriously, horribly burned, uh, dragged from the car by four other drivers on the circuit, was given the last rites by a priest, but somehow recovered, and 42 days later was back in the car. And the most extraordinary thing, because he was his skull was so raw with burns that when he took off his, his uh, balaclava, of course, it was soaked he in He started racing 42 days after. He was 
And I, if you I, see the scars, you know it was horrific. I remember Bernie Eccleston, <laughs> when I went to see him, he said he sat in the garage when, when uh, Nicky came in from one of the practice sessions and he said, I couldn't believe what I saw because he kept his helmet on he came into the back of the garage, and then he took it off, and he said when he took the balaclava off, everything came with it, skin, blood, the whole thing. Wow. And he came fourth in that race at Monza, his comeback race, and, of course, famously, he lost the championship to James Hunt at the last race of the season. So he got badly burnt in the same season that he came back to try and win that season as well? It was in he the could same have, he, if he hadn't had the accidents, he would have walked that season. That's unbelievable. I mean, it tells and you something about, that, I guess, doesn't it? the mentality of professional sports people. I and mean, they're not all like that, I guess. Did you ever talk to him about that? Did he, did he talk openly about, no, about he what never, happened or not really? He, he actually said to me that he never really, because he was so badly scarred, I mean, he had no eyelids, so he couldn't actually blink. He had to have plastic surgery eventually, and of course he lost completely one ear and part of the other. And he had these scars around his eyes and across his head. And he said that when when the movie came out, uh, I went and sat with him and Ron Howard, the director. And Ron Howard was interesting because he said, as a director, you 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 expect stories that are a bit gory or you know. He said, but when when I read this story, he said I almost could believe it was true because mm. how could anybody do that? And Nicky said. He never thought about it at the time, and it was only later on when people started looking at him oddly, he thought, I'm a bit odd. But then when he saw himself on screen, on the big screen, portrayed by an actor called Daniel Bruhl, who's quite well known these days, he said, it was the first time I looked and I thought, good God, how did, how did I go back racing? You know, mm. what, what were people thinking when they looked at me? And it, there were tears in his eyes, you know. I think it was the first time he'd, he'd come to this realisation that he'd... You know, I do say in the book, when you become a sportsman, um, you know, you, you run fast, you kick a ball, you, you you ride a bike, whatever it is, but you don't actually toy with mortality. No. And that's what these guys did, and that's what he did, and he was very, very lucky to survive. Unfortunately, you know, it took 40 years or whatever it was, but uh, the accident eventually got him because that's what killed him mm. in the end. But surely that, at that oh, time, no, sorry, Terry, sorry. surely at that time, someone would have said, are you sure you want to get back in a car? Or, or, <laughs> or, or worse, the, oh, yeah, it, or stronger words, like, don't what the hell you ready you for it. Oh, yeah. Enzo Ferrari didn't want him back. I mean, absolutely did not want him he back. ruined his car. And, and was furious when the, the first race back was the Italian Grand Prix, which of course is Ferrari's home race. And he was furious because the publicity around this race was absolutely extraordinary. The crowds came in in their tens of thousands to see this miracle happen. And he defied every expectation. The thing for me is being a kid of that generation, of that age, I always think of obviously him being burnt, because that was kind of uh, me being a realisation of a child of realising things, if you like. So that's one thing. And also the airline. Louder air. That always... Yes. What happened with it? Because that all went a little bit wrong, didn't it? Well, he he had a very very up and down uh, career in the airline business, but of course, how the, did he the get lowest, into that? Oh, he was mad about planes. He was mad. He, he just he bought a Cessna in I don't know about 1974, and he was just crackers. And so he wanted always to have his own airline, but of course, it, you know, running an airline is pretty tricky at the best. Of I times. imagine. And he had a lot of ups and downs, but you know, which culminated in the in 1991 when he had a jet go down with 226 oh, right, yeah. passengers and crew in Thailand. Um, and that, I think he's said it several times, and I know Bernie Eccleston told me the same, that that was the lowest point in his life, even I lower bet. than the accident. 
Um, but you, you, when you think about the accident, when you think about Formula One, and there is always this debate about safety and about the, whether there needs to be risk, or there always will be risk, or does there need to be risk? How much risk is acceptable as years go by and people get more and more safety conscious? What do you? How do you feel about where Formula One is now? As in, you don't want to. The, the safer you make it, the less interesting you make it in a way. Yeah, because we, you know, we have to admit that it's the, it's the, it's it's like being on the motorway and seeing a crash, isn't it? Everybody, everybody rubbing it. Thing, it's, isn't it? Yeah. it's the same thing. Um, and there's no doubt that it's safer than it's ever been. However, only last September we had a death on mm. the track at, uh, at in Belgium. It's never completely safe. If you're hurtling around a track, you know they max out now at two hundred and thirty odd miles an hour. Um, and it's not just that, it's the rate of acceleration and the, the proximity well. of the cars and the braking. Yeah. They say that this season the cars will be faster than ever. So there's always potential for it to happen. But, you know, the days of, as I describe it, the killing fields is very much over. But that, that era in the 60s and the 70s, I mean, was just the roll call of the dead was just extraordinary. I remember seeing, um, oh, flipping hell, what's his name? Who's our, who's our boy? Do you know our champion? Lewis, thank you. Hello. Let's get into 50. Um, I saw him racing... Um, uh, who was the other one who sadly died? Racing driver. The, the genius. Brazilian. And Senna. Senna. I saw him jump in his car. And so he was using gear six and, you know, clutches and everything. And he, the thrill he had from getting in his car that he drives now, accelerating with his hands, basically, it was quite an incredible... Sight, the thrill, you could not tell. It was like he was back in his go-kart again. Because in those days, it was much more of an... I don't know if earthy is the right thing, but it was... Visceral, I think. Visceral, is, thank is, you. Is, is yes, word that's that the word. Because yes. it was much more... Um, the cars were very much slower. It was it real, wasn't it? That they, but it was real, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, it was, but, it, but the buffeting and the bumps and yes. everything else that went with it was very... But very I found that when, when you go around the corner, you know when you go-kart and you sort of... Sp- skid it round the corner a little bit that was more what was happening it was more skidding it round the corner and it was a little bit more visceral as you say yeah, yeah but now I mean they, they need to be sort of part scientist because yeah. you know there's just so so many controls in the car I mean dozens and dozens and dozens and I, I have no idea how they figure it out so the kids that are coming through now and, and go back to what we were saying about Nicky the interesting thing about somebody like Nicky is, is the backstory which kids now same in football and tennis and rugby. Now, you know, eight, eight years old, they're out kicking a ball or in a go-kart or whatever it is. Somebody like Nicky had a life aside from motor racing, which made him a, a, almost a deeper character. Mm. And when he came back to uh, Formula One as chairman of Mercedes, which, of course, the, the team that's won everything in the last seven years or whatever it is, um, he couldn't really figure out how Formula One cars worked. He tried to drive one, actually, in, I think, 2001. And he was something like 15 seconds off the pace. He just could not work all the, all the stuff that they have to do now. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport.
Uh, good afternoon, you're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rush and Terry, Terry Alderton with you uh, for the next hour or so. Uh, time now, normally, as you know the show very well, uh, Paul just turns to Andy and says, what have you got, Andy? And Andy brings all the uh, stories that he has from the pay. I have a few, I've picked out some vignettes. Uh, um, this says, a text though first, ask Terry about his journeys to South End training in my dad's XR4 and his hairdryer treatment of us from uh, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Newell. Newell. Mm. And that's uh, brother of Paul Newell. Right. Goalkeeper Paul Newell. Do you remember Paul no, Tubsy? No. The great Paul Newell and the great da- Mickey Daughter Newell. of Mary Newell, I imagine. Don't know her either. Paul but... Newell played for uh, Darlington. Right. Played for Orient. I know Mike South Newell. Yeah, it's a different Mike Newell. Newell. And Newell's old Mickey boys. Newell. I know Newell's Mickey old boys. Mickey Newell was the toughest boy in, in our school. Really? He was, the, he was, he, he was, he was uh, the enforcer, was he? He was a man when right. we were 11. Oh, yeah, he had side bar. He had he full beard. It's a good picture of me and Mickey Newell actually getting a football from Bobby Bobby Moore. Okay. Anyway, it's enough about us. I've got an interesting story from the star, which I think really I might... I was, you going first? Well, might appeal to you. Go yeah, on then, go first. on. This would be really good for you, I think. Um, a lock of hair from the 19th century poet <laughs> Lord Byron is being put up for sale for £10,000 by a private collector with Chiswick, Chiswick Auctions of London today. I don't know when it is, but after the show, it's from Waterloo, okay. it's 20 minutes, because... Get it, clone him. We'll clone him. Well, if you don't have... I don't know if we need to clone Byron. We can clone Byron. We could clone Bring Byron. I'm not sure. A talk sport ready for... Uh, middle, but what, when was, when's Byron's time? Poetry of the 19th century, is it? I think he had a bear. He, he had, Did he? He owned a bear and it was uh, tethered to into a, a post in his room in Trinity College in Cambridge. I, I, I used to be a punt chauffeur up the river in Cambridge. Do you know what's interesting? Mm. I remember Chris Eubank telling me that his father right. used, to chain him to a, used to chain him to a post in the garden. What? Chris Eubank's dad said that he, he, used, to, no, he my, used to be chained to a post in the garden by his father. My thinking was that over time yes. we could buy expensive locks of hair from 19th century poets and create a, a hairdo for you because you're not her suit in that area. No, That's no, totally no, no. fine. No, no. And, then, and then it's also a conversation point. Where did you get your hair? Well, this yeah. is Lord Byron's. Well, yes. Are you interested? Uh, well, let's go get it. How much hair? How much is there? It's though? just a lock. It's just a well, beginning. It's a much, beginning. It? It's it's a beginning. Be like we'll get, a, get a bit of Keats hair. <laughs> a bit of, bit of Wordsworth in there. I'm all over. A bit it. of Sassoon. Why not? Actually, I mean, we should have gone Sassoon first, I guess. You know we? a lot about poetry, don't you? Well, I just, you know, I try and pretend to be intellectual. Well, Got to raise the standards here at Talks, well, haven't you? Come a lot of it. Very intellectual. I don't even know half the people who said very if any. Well, I don't know if they exist. Oh, well, listen. What have you got? Come on. What have you got? From great poets to to underpants. Yeah. Obviously. I'm going to bring it down. Yeah. I knew, a you, bana- would. I knew you would. <laughs> a banana, right? A banana-shaped... Uh, basically, plane pass- passengers can now pass wind, excuse me, without causing a stink. Oh, right. Thanks to the banana-shaped gadget in their pants. What? Apparently, you can put this... Fo- you can you can put the foam banana-shaped object right, yes. into your pants, yeah. which what? obviously creates some sort of... Nice smell. It's like a Glade plug-in, if you for like, your for your backside. Right. And, but I remember when I used to, uh, I used to do a radio show years ago with Neil Fox, Doctor Fox. Right, not a real doctor. He's not a real doctor, no. And he used to, uh, he used to go on about that he'd invented this with his dad. This has nothing to do with this story. Okay. It's just quite funny that I used to laugh at it and think, "Don't be stupid." But here it is. All right, how much so does it, what can, does it retail at? Uh, it doesn't say. Okay, it doesn't just say. A, it's currently a prototype. It is currently a prototype, is somebody, but what about if you go you, over... You can't go over 8,000 feet, though. What? Can't go over 8,000 feet in the pressurised <laughs> cabin. What happens to it? Well, it's it might... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, okay. it causes, causes swelling of the gas, apparently, oh, really? in the body. Which, oh, uh, oh, you can blow up. So you can... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's going to be great in customs. Listen, as you go I, through. I think it's... 
I, you know, I mean, it's it, flawed. I think it's a bit. It's a lifestyle business, and I'm not going to invest. <laughs> it's only for takeoff and landing, is it? At well, some point, yeah. you say we'll be cruising at thirty-six thousand feet. You ring the bell, going, "Do you mind if we just do eight thousand? Although it is true, and I don't want to. Or wait for the food to come out. Yeah, I don't. That's wanna, always I a good way to, you know, to skydive. I don't want to lower myself to your level. But well, go on then. On aeroplanes, I do find myself needing to to do that more often than when I I'm think that's something to do with the pressurisation I remember one once someone was doing that around me on mm. a plane and a guy turned around in front of me and said you do that again mate I'm going to smash you and oh, I was wow. like going mate it's not me do you want the Daily Star fact of the day go on then since 1982 at least one Bayern Munich player has played in every World Cup final that's for, the, for the first time ever say that again since 1982 at least one Bayern Munich player has played in every World Cup final. That's interesting. That is, isn't it? It's obviously 86 West Germany, they'd have had a bucket load there, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, Germany, 1990, so they'd have a few there. Uh, 94, was that Brazil, Italy? Who's the... Uh, <laughs> these two young behind the glass. That's You're the, too good That's at the Baggio one, isn't it? Who was the Bayern Munich player in there? It must have been one of the Brazilians. Anyway, there you go. That's an interesting fact, foot-warning fact for you to impress your friends with in the that's pub That's a good later. one. My, my 13-year-old was here now. He'd probably know that. It's amazing the, the knowledge of kids, especially with the FIFA, FIFA now. Mm. Never have you sounded like an old, the oldest you've sounded today. That sounded very old. Who's these with the FIFA? With the What's FIFA with the these FIFA? days. What's with the FIFA, these young uh, children. I've got any more? I've got plenty more. Yeah. You've got loads, haven't you? Yeah. I didn't realise we we're going to go more than one. Do I have to? How many do I have to, oh, do you want no, me to no, do? No, it's fine. I can do some more. Go on, you do um, some more. And I'll, I'll, I'll have a look for League One. Uh, a woman has been fined for dropping a Greg's paper bag more than 10 years ago. What? Uh, Grace Firth, 32, was convicted in August 2009 of dropping the bag in Manchester. Uh, uh, the case was proved in her absence. She was fined £175, uh, plus cost of £180. Um, she finally appeared this week at Stockport Magistrates Court where she was fined £40. Um, uh, the costs were quashed. It's a good use of the justice system, I believe. She, uh, listen, she committed the crime. She does the time. That's how it works. Don't drop, don't drop litter. I don't like... Litter bugs. I've got a really, really terrible pun for this. It looks like she paid off the justice system there. Yes, very good. No, that's terrible. good, yeah. No, that's okay. No, I've been working purpose. with Charlie Baker all week. That's really quite high. Um, uh, Dean Gaffney will now only date women his own age for the sake of his kids. What? Uh, the 42 year old. Did you ever cross over in these days? I love gaffers. You know, not in, not, not in these standards. No, a, I just in know a, him. In an Essex way or in a in sort an of... Essex way. Been on, have you been on celeb shows? I don't been? do celeb shows. Do you not? You've no, never been no, on one? no. Uh, the only one, one I did, I've done the foot... I did the football, which I told you about yeah, earlier, yeah. and uh, the because it was football, and the rest of it, I d- I've turned down loads of that celeb stuff. You've never done any? Not, not that I'd, I'd even be asked now, but no, in but, the past. But what have you done? Oh, actually, I did do one because my wife wanted to do it. I did actually did Mr and Mrs... With the wife, because right. she wanted the clock. So you you wouldn't you've categorically said I won't no. Do apart those, from Mrs. Telling apart me from to Mister and Mrs. I did okay. Mister and Mrs. Yeah. So there we go. No, well, it's look. He's, uh, he's I did about, it, man. He's about to go I'll on be c- celebs go dating, but he's only going to date women his own age. There you I go. Think. Well done, Dean. Uh, that's the level of news. So you mean you could have picked out anything? Well, mate, I, I didn't realise that. You know, next time when I come back in again, I'll have loads if, of this. If um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, now, uh, Andy, oh, Andy, Andy Jacobs loves Gemma Collins, and uh, so some Gemma Collins. Because I haven't done any, I haven't done any. I've let Andy down. I haven't done. Any I live Gemma around Collins. that area. That's where I live, Towieland. Gemma Collins says lizard people live on Earth and use the Queen's secret tunnel to roam around. 
she said she believes the conspiracy uh, that Her Majesty has her own underground network in London. She uses to go shopping, she says. Uh, she also thinks humans can turn into lizards. My theory, Adrian is going big on this at four, by the way. My theory is, and I know it's a bit weird, that there are lizards that live amongst us. Um, obviously echoing David Icke, who told 1991 that reptil- reptilian humanoids live amongst us. I seem to remember with David Icke, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, cool. that he said, you know, they, Ronald Reagan was a lizard, and, mm-hmm. and, and Maggie, queen. Maggie Thatcher was a lizard, the queen, and Bob Hope. And you wonder in... <laughs> no, seriously, so and, and I think Chris Christopherson... And Bob Hope. And Chris you wonder in the meeting of the lizards when they go, uh, Brian, you be the queen, yeah. uh, Liz, if you can be Maggie Thatcher, Dave, you can be Ronald Reagan... Jeff, do you mind being Bob Hope? I know it might not seem that important in the grand scheme of yeah. running the whole world, but we need a lizard Bob well, Hope. He had the troops, didn't he? Well, he had the troops. troops. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to feel small? Yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. let's do that. Astro- Astronomers reckon a planet more than twice the size of Earth could be habitable. It's good news for us. Uh, K218b. Uh, may have liquid water under its hydrogen-rich atmosphere and analysis of its mass, radius and atmospheric data has revealed. Uh, Findings by the University of Cambridge team open the search for life upon planets significantly larger than Earth but smaller than Neptune. Here's a scientist said to establish the prospects of habitability, it's important to obtain a unified understanding of interior and atmospheric conditions. K218b, it's just 124 light years. The keeper for Cray Wanderers could get there, but none of us could. 124 light years away from Earth. Uh, There you go. It's incredible uh, that we are this germ that can think how we're going to go and ruin something else now, this little germ that's going let's go to another place now i don't know how long it'll take to 124 years to get there but uh who knows maybe right there there are two people sitting in for two people on a radio station no, one till down this wormhole <laughs> good grief <laughs> not think God. uh do you want to know about uh heinz holding a nationwide social media vote and whether it should put baked beans and spaghetti hoops in the same can or do you think this is a pr job that uh they succeeded because i've just said it i reckon loud. it's a pr job that they succeeded as have hula hoops with their giant hula hoop. oh right how big was it it was about how big was it how big was it john Come on, you go be the news. You've got story. the article in front no, of you. No, I didn't bring it with me. I forgot it. Oh, but I remembered it. Sort of. A, sort of. Size of a palm. It's about the size of your palm. A giant hula hoop. Yeah, about the size of your palm. I just remembered one of the stories that I was supposed to bring in. But, you didn't bring um, it in. Although I did get just get a message from Jonathan Pierce, yes. who's listening to us. Is he? Does yeah. his son support Crystal Palace and Brighton? No, his son supports Arsenal. I heard his son supports Crystal Palace and Brighton. I couldn't. Work. It's the A twenty three derby on I'm game sure, day. I'm sure they've got 12, a soft spot for Brighton. I know that Pierce is a Bristol City fan. He, everyone always thinks he's an Arsenal fan. No, but he's a Bristol City fan. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I've had a thing about Jonathan that someone actually what they do is they put a bit of string on someone's testicles, right, in on the ground on his or on his testicles right, and okay. give, a, give it give a bit of screen, string to uh, yeah. one of their fans and they can pull it when they like. Is that a full time job? Well, no, but because well, you know, on, when you put it on your Tinder profile, what's and, and what do you do? I pull. <laughs> Because he's always like that. And, oh my goodness, he's pulling the string now, and then back to that again. Um, <laughs> well, listen, if it doesn't work out for either of us, that could be a job. Well, it could it? be a job. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. That was the H and J Daily. Um, uh, thanks for coming, Terry. I enjoyed every minute. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. It'd be uh, me and Charlie tomorrow, and then uh, Paul and Andy back on Monday. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four PM on Talk Sport. Planning for your next trip. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.